When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento, Sacramento, Sacramento. Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 42. My name's Turner Sparks. My name's Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America. Kaplan, this week on the podcast, we have Andrew Heaton. Yeah. from Formerly from The Kennedy Show. He's oh. a writer on The Kennedy Show on Fox Business. Now he is on the air on Reason TV uh, doing comedy shorts, all kinds of stuff. You can find it online. He's a political guy. He's a libertarian. I read Reason Daily. We, we, we've, we've read Reason on we've, the... Yeah, we've been in the news. That's where I get my news stories. On the podcast. So what we want to talk to you about, what we're talking about, 24-hour news. It's unique. It started in the United States of America. It's now like places, all great trends. It's now everywhere around the world. And we want to get inside the 24-hour news, specifically like the Fox world, right? Because that's something that as I travel, everyone always asks. They're like, Fox. Well, stigma with Fox. Fox is like the enemy for a lot of people, right? Yeah. It's, there's a stigma. But, a lot of people don't like the But Andrew, Andrew's a great guy. I, yeah. There's great people over you there. You vouch for him. I vouch for him. Yes, okay. we want to find out what the what that world's all about. I think it's going to be a really interesting episode to get inside the mind of the uh, <laughs> 24 hour news, the Fox News. All right, Fox sounds world. good. Sounds good. So Amazon.com. Go to Amazon. Go to the Lost in America Pod. Dot com is the best way to support the podcast. Go to lostinamericapod.com, click on the Amazon banner, and then do all your regular shopping. So if you're going to be shopping anyway. Uh, through Amazon, first go to lostamericapod.com, click the banner, do your regular shopping. A percentage of that comes back to us. Update with that, by the way. It used to only be, uh, you used to only be able to do this in the United States of America. We've expanded now. If you're in the United Kingdom or Canada, you can also do it. And the That's money good. also comes through Just to Lost America. All the Pod. English speaking countries. Exactly. We're, we're, so we're getting the West. We're getting the West. We're working our way East. <laughs> it works. Cap, what have you bought recently through Amazon? Well, I'm trying us to give put money in your pockets. So I got something for you here. What'd you get? I got us both DNA tests. Oh, this is big. <laughs> yes, this is a big announcement. I'm on Amazon looking for things to buy, and I'm like, I already have pencils, I already have paper. What else is there? Ah, DNA test. Bam. So, right, because we're trying to figure out what to do. 50th episode's coming up. Yeah. It's right I'm around thinking the, about the show. It's right around the corner. What are we going to do? Do we have a big guest on? Do we do some crazy no. stuff? You know what we do? We're going to find out you're Mexican. We're going to find out who we are. Yeah. And we're, and, and we're going to find out. If I'm not a Jew, or so, if I'm not 100% a Jew. Yeah, I bet. Which, yeah, which would be a big scandal in my family. We'll, we'll, fi we'll find out. So, so I've never done one. No one in my family has. No one in your family has, correct? Um, no. My wife did one, actually. Just where I got the idea. Okay. She bought it uh, before we were getting money, so I'm very upset with her about that. Okay. Turns out she's 3% Irish. 3%? Yeah. Tyler so. Sparks got into Syracuse University because he claimed he was Native American. <laughs> Whoa. So, Take away his diploma. We'll find Elizabeth out. Elizabeth Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah, Pocahontas. So we'll find out if that's actually true when I get tested. Yeah. Right? So you better be Native American, otherwise you might not be brothers. So we're going to take these tests ASAP. Yeah, because it takes a few weeks. Yeah, we got to send, send them, them back. To the lab. Send them off to the lab. They'll report back to us on our 50th episode. We'll reveal who we actually are. Yeah, we'll bring the scientists on. That's going to be, I'm pumped up. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, we'll see what happens. Don't we'll, be too pumped. We'll find out. All right, so should we get to Lost in America? Sure, let's get to it. Let's get to it. 
right, we're back. Uh, before before we get to Lost America, I got a couple shows coming up I want to promote. This Sunday, July 30th, I'm doing Baijiu Debates. That was a show I used to do in China and all around Asia. Comedians drink this Chinese alcohol Baijiu, which we tried on the drinking episode. If you yeah. haven't heard that, go back and listen. That's a great episode. Comedians drink that and then debate topics that I throw out to them while they're drunk. And then they have to do one round in a foreign language, which is going to be exciting. We have the screen behind, which will translate what they're saying as they're saying it. Uh, okay. Cap's coming out I'm to co- that. I'm coming. I'm gonna. Uh, do I have to strict the baiju, or can I just like uh, if you use want it for cleaning? I've heard you can use it to clean things. You can use it for anything. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, clean your house and then drink at the same time. So that's July 30th. Plus this Friday, next Friday, I'm uh, hosting residence at the Living Room Show out in Brooklyn. So come out to that. Okay. Hang out. Uh, also. August 16th, Kung Fu is our next Kung Fu comedy show at uh, New York Comedy Club. All right. Let's go out to that. Oh, and um, one more, August 9th, uh, we're doing a Kung Fu comedy show at The Lantern with uh, Paulo Gata, who's a future podcast. He's the biggest yeah. comedian in Asia. I'm going to try to get there on time. I try to get to the last Kung Fu comedy. Yeah, you missed I it. I promised the fans. I got there late. They wouldn't let me in. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> I some know new who po- I am. There's some new policy. They don't know Kaplan over yeah. there. So, you know, very... So, I'm low on confidence, but what are you going to do? Get there on time. All right, so Lost and Mary, this week... It comes out. We we went to eat uh, lunch together. We took you to a Chinese restaurant for a big meeting. We did. Tax deductible. Big pod meeting a week or two ago. And yeah, in Manhattan, the Chinese restaurant next door was a Hunan restaurant. Hunan Sai, they call it. Which Hunan is a a province in China where spicy food comes from. So what I found amazing, because when I left America, Chinese food was the cat's pajamas. It was the top (laughs) of the top for any Asian food, right? Right, No one messed with Chinese food. No one. I come back. What the Hunan restaurant says is, this is Hunan food. Tastes just as good as Thai food. Wow. So what's going on there? They have to like pretend like they're a Thai restaurant. Wait, Thai is much more popular than Chinese Just to food. get people to come in. When did Thai food take over for Chinese food? Yeah, it ha- when I, well, around the time before, you, right before you left, I was living out in California where trends begin. Out okay. in LA. Is that true? Yeah, I was in LA in like the early aughts, and I found Thai food was taking over there. But I'd come out east and no one knew about it yet. And then around the time you left, all of a sudden it was Thai restaurant. Every block's Thai food, Thai food. And is the idea that Thai food's spicy or why do people like Thai food? I think there's less, they, they followed me. I, I always was, the American Chinese food is very gelatinous. That's what I used to say. <laughs> what does well, that well, mean? And Thai food's like more natural feeling. The curries and the, I don't know, it's just uh, lighter. It's a little lighter. Okay. A little lighter on the stomach. The it, MSG. It started really in the 80s when MSG. My parents get very angry about MSG. Can I tell you the, can I, Push back on that? Push back. MSG is not bad for you at all. This is MSG. The idea Take that use. MSG is going to be bad for you. No, it's a conspiracy started by liberal white people <laughs> to try to take down the Chinese, <laughs> racist liberals, uh, and they came after MSG. Now all these studies say MSG is completely fine. What is MSG? Does anybody know? No one even knows. Is it a real thing? It's I, They have no idea. They're I just, just remember we'd order Chinese and they'd say no MSG and then my dad would be like, I have a stomach ache or someone someone at the table would always complain. There's MSG. That's in your mind. It's in your mind. It's a placebo. It's a placebo. MSG is totally fine for you. Yeah, I'm going to order some extra MSG. Get, yeah, time. so screw Thai food. So, Thai, Thai food's fine. It's good. But I you, I think what it is is everyone wants to know like the next cool Asian food. Right. There's like, yeah, Malaysian. So once everyone got into Chinese food, it like wasn't cool anymore. It's not, it hasn't been cool. It's like parents' Chinese food. It's like- Is Thai food even still cool? I feel like Thai, that might be done. Well, like the thing is like yeah, the parents and our grandparents, at least from a juice perspective, like they would like- 
they would only they'll never try Indian food. Like that's like, but Chinese food is like a thing. Like, I want they try is, it. I know that just older people that just seems gross. That's I, too far. The only only people who like Indian food are like who are older are like professors. Professors love to take the students into Indian. Profet, yeah, because <laughs> they like to like mansplain about the yes, one time the they world, went to exactly. India. Exactly, it's a great place if you're dating a student. I find every professor must take her for Indian early on in the relationship. <laughs> um, I would going to ask you a question in China. How do you think they'd feel about? The fact that I think that not only is Thai food superseded Chinese food, but Japanese food is definitely superseded Chinese well, food. Well, that, that, that is like, a bridge is that, too far. Yeah, is that going to start a war? Yes. Like, do they find this out? I think like, so. sushi and like... Can I... Yes, that's done. Can I tell you what I think? Maybe it's already happening, but I think the next cool Asian food... Yeah. Is Vietnamese food already a thing? Vietnamese has become a thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the new That's the new Thai? That's the new Thai, yeah. That's Thai. It's the same way with honeymoon destinations. Thailand first, then Vietnam. They start opening up Cambodia. You know, it becomes a... And there's fusion. Like, that's... How do you feel about the... the Fusions, Chinese if anything, place that has sucks. sushi and has Chinese food and has no. Thai food. No, you can't do that. Oh, you sound like a cultural appropriator now. No, I just think it doesn't <laughs> taste good. Yeah, you're right. Stick to your... Here's what I always say. They would have... In uh, in China, they would have this, and you can flip it back to America. They would have a Western restaurant. It would just that would be the name of the restaurant, Western, and mm. that means they would have pizza, they'd have right. burgers, they would have like uh, 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 German sausages. Yeah. They would have anything that could possibly be from the West. That's how you know it sucks because you're not going to be good at everything. So when Trump makes a speech and he says Western values will prevail and people are offended by that, you're saying he's just referring to uh, like in the Chinese food sense. Of yeah, Western. He's, it's he's, just everybody west of China. I, I have no <laughs> idea what he's referring to. I'm not going to speak for him. But I'm talking about the food. You need to specialize in one thing. This is no. I'm not saying cultural appropriation. I'm just saying if you're doing sushi right. and kung pao chicken, you're fucked. Right. Okay. All right. Bam. I don't know where no. we ended up there, uh. but Ints is an app. <laughs> is an I app. can tell you that. You can find <laughs> it in the app store um, on on uh, on iTunes. I think it's a. It's, they have it for Android now. They do. And they're sticking to what they're good at. There's no fusion here. And nope. it's just doing, just making the damn finest social media audio app you can, you can make. Just the sausage. Just the sausage. And you can follow us at Lost in America, right? Uh huh. Me at Turner Sparks. But go to Lost in America. We're Ants and stuff. We're gonna be talking back and forth. You can talk to us through Ants. Yeah. If you want to get on the podcast, Ants us questions. Ants at Lost in America. Whatever you want. Any question you want. We'll read them on the air. We'll do it. Yeah, maybe for the 50th. Or play them on the air. Maybe for Not the 50th episode. That's the beauty of Vince. Yeah. That's it. Black come out on this 50th episode. Exactly. Come out to all my Kung Fu comedy shows. I just read coming up. And your predictions for what Turner's uh, secret DNA test will reveal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Should we get to our guest? Yeah, let's get to him. Andrew Heaton. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> We're back with our guest, Andrew Heaton. Hello. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for doing it. Uh, this is you. Okay, so I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. First of all, 24-hour news in general. You worked, I met you at the Kennedy Show. That's right, yeah. Actually, I, I met I, you right I, before. I, I met you at Gotham, then I brought you on to the Kennedy you Show. You brought me on to the Kennedy yeah. Show. But you I, mean Kennedy didn't see your act and was like, I gotta have this guy? No, this guy saw it. <laughs> oh, wow. I, right I, I was the gatekeeper there. Oh, I was yeah. the scout. And uh, you now you're working at Reason TV, correct? Yes, I'm a producer at Reason TV. 
And you have a, um, you're doing videos, right? I make funny videos for them. We just made a parody of Game of Thrones that that has gotten good reviews and actually is funny. It went by the way. I yeah. watched it the other day. People were telling me about it. I, I, pe- people that don't know me through politics were finding it, and I, that's really fun. And and people that hate everything I believe were finding it, and they were yeah. like, they were saying things like, you know, I, I think you're fucking crazy. You seem okay and funny, and I was like, "Great, I'll take that. That's I will take crazy, but 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 morally okay." That's a step for America. Yeah, to yeah, be yeah. able to admit that, that someone on the other side of some political issue could also we're, be funny. We're becoming but... open-minded about that, which is great. So, how did you? Because you worked. Uh, how long did you work at the Kennedy Show on Fox Business, which is almost ostensibly part of Fox News? Yeah, they're both a part of News Corp. They're they're on the same floor, so it's it's kind of they're, yeah. they're 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 separate, and they've got separate programming, but they're they're all part of the same family. Uh, I spent a year working on The Independence, which was kind of the forerunner to the show, and then I worked on Kennedy the last two years, and I was a writer on both of them. Okay, and so how would you explain, because even Kaplan and I were trying to figure this out. Kaplan, I think, knows, but the difference between Fox News and Fox Business. What's their angle? Sure, yeah. Well, so, I mean, Fox News is ostensibly news, so it's it's covering, you know, like topical things, breaking news, and a lot and a lot of commentary. You know, as I'm sure you're aware, there's a lot of commentary. Fox Business is ostensibly covering um, financial things, but... Once the markets have closed, it's sort of a grab bag because they're not doing the Hannity O'Reilly type stuff. Um, but there's nothing to see in the stock market ticker, so they would bring in Kennedy, who doesn't, she, who is absolutely phenomenal, but doesn't really quite fit in the standard mold at Fox. To her credit, she's, she's this not kind blonde. of huh? She's, she's not, not blonde. blonde yeah, she yeah. and she's she's just she's her own thing. She's her own phenomenon. And so uh, the Independent started over there that way, and then Kennedy started there, and so it it kind of was a, a it is a unique show in that regard. So Kennedy, for people who haven't seen it, it's a half hour, um, or one hour. Hour. It's an hour long Sorry, show. Sorry, it's a yeah. one hour uh, show with a host. Kennedy's the host. Yeah. And then kind Former of an VJ. entertainment slash politics. Yeah. Yeah. It's or like a, a friendly discussion of but politics. She's very but very libertarian leaning. Yeah. Right. She was. She, and she started out on MTV, so she likes discussing right. cultural things too, yeah. and 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 does a lot of I'm that. I'm old enough to remember that. Yeah. Really. <laughs> See, I'm I'm from Oklahoma, which is functionally the 50s. Right. So, <laughs> so I like TV. I missed out on all of that. I I met her. Oh, no. You don't know downtown Julie Brown and all. <laughs> yeah, I remember her on uh, on MTV. Uh, but yeah, but she does the political thing. I think she has a really good discussion. Uh, you, you were on there, and uh, um, she it's not a, a yelling program. It's not really a combative program. There's a lot of people that are on on a regular basis that are that she disagrees with, that are chummy with her, and uh, it, it's good. I, I enjoyed working on it. Uh, it, it. Enough time had gone that I wanted to do something that had my own name, um, that you know I got to be on screen and that kind of thing, which is one yeah. of the reasons I jumped over to Reason. It's it's great, but I want to say it's a really good show. I, 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 it's It's awesome. If you're looking to watch something on Fox Business, watch Kennedy. And so, good advertising. Shout out. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, so, 24-hour news in general is something that when you go around the world, I think it's a specifically, it's like jazz. Like, it's very American. <laughs> it is. There's nowhere else. I think they try to do it. Doesn't the BBC tries? Well, see, the uh, CNN International, like, which is like. CNN International is, is kind of, I would say it's the most, like, like basically, they're really boring in other countries. Yeah, it's so boring. Be- and America really ramps up the entertainment value when you get to like MSNBC, Fox News, mm-hmm. even CNN. Everyone's outraged and freaking out about everything. H- have Have you read a book called "Amusing Ourselves to Death" by Neil Postman? 
No. It's it's a fascinating book. Have you read it, Kaplan? Uh, we don't read books in this book. You podcast. don't? <laughs> no. We, just, we read. Am I now the book club? Yeah, Great. The book club, thanks. Most, we read headlines and then we have opinions. Yeah, right. We don't have time for <laughs> well, it, it's, it's It's this book that was written in the 80s that I, I think is really relevant now, but it was written in the 80s when America first started going, oh, maybe TV's bad for us. Because sure. in the 50s, it was just a radio with some flickering images. No one thought it was bad, right? And then in the 80s, people go, oh, maybe this makes you stupid. So this guy, uh, Postman, he wrote a book and goes, no, 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 TV doesn't make you stupid. It's fine. Sitcoms are fine. What would be problematic is if we took really serious things like politics and we made them entertainment. At that point, everything would have to be entertaining or it wouldn't be anything you'd want to hear about. Uh, and I, I think well, he's sort of. We're never going to do yeah, that. We, <laughs> yeah, for, for, fortunately, everybody, you know, to get their news, they Ron sit down. Ron Burgundy and, came they, along. They, and, uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody's reading newspaper and that kind of thing. I, I think that's something that um, the 24 Hour News has to deal with on a regular basis is uh, how how much substance versus how much entertainment. Another thing that has to happen that um, is just it's it's part of the medium that's that's inescapable is if you have 24 Hour News and not that much news happened, you still have to talk about it as if yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, you have to be on. 24 you can't, hours a day. If I, they would shut my program down so quick. If, if I had a program, I would come out and go, hey, guys, nothing really relevant happened today. Sure. Uh, but I but I think Afghanistan is going to come up again. So I'm going to bring on a professor to discuss the history of Afghanistan. That way we're all set uh, for yeah, the next no, time. Canceled. Yeah, exactly. Well, Unless yeah, the professor's really hot or something. I don't know. Yeah, that might, gotta, hot professors yeah. could be a good show, Kaplan. Yeah. I think that might be, that might be the way news. to do it. I guess I'm thinking the Fox's <laughs> model. I have a lot. Roger Ailes and I. Super attractive. Similar thoughts. So, uh, no, because, but to the point of um, if you make, like, it has to be entertaining. News has to be entertaining for it to get on the news, for mm -hmm. it to be, you know, I just found out yesterday that, I don't, do you guys know, I'm sure you guys knew this because you're smarter than me, but apparently three weeks ago, like, <laughs> ISIS, we almost have destroyed ISIS 100%. We have? Uh, yeah. It, I was listening to this Economist That's podcast. Bad for ratings. What? It's bad for ratings. The news needs us to keep ISIS in the news. No, but what I'm saying is this is true. Like in Iraq, they're down to one tiny neighborhood. There's like 10 guys left, and that was a and podcast. Gen gentrification any minute. We'll exactly. just wipe them out. <laughs> 10 guys? This is like a little crew. Well, it, Apple store is going that, good. But what I'm saying is we, I haven't even heard that right. well, because it, Trump and Russia yep. and everything else. Right. Like, Are you saying Trump is beating ISIS? Yeah, but I'm surprised that Trump <laughs> which, is Which not... is his goal. I think between defeating ISIS versus beating them in ratings, I think yeah. he would much prefer to get the better ratings. Well, um, clearly, because he hasn't even mentioned he's it. He's never yeah. going to shut up on Twitter if he beats ISIS. I know. I mean, it's just like... <laughs> not saying I'm rooting for ISIS to, to win or stay alive. <laughs> it's like when you're rooting for a sporting event to just, eh, it's not be over yet. I got to... Then I got to do so do my work. So the game's <laughs> over, but, yeah. oh my but no, you're you're right. That and like that's another thing too. Is that like uh, I I have, I have a degree in international politics, and I, I would love to do more foreign policy stuff. Americans don't tend to want to hear about foreign policy uh, across platforms. Totally. Uh, like that's that's uh, is articles online. That's his television programs. We're just we're we're a fairly navel gazing culture, and we're not that interested in other cultures unless we're directly involved in it. Yeah, and so what? When did? I, I guess the the story like when did it ch change? Because like, I was surprised. I was just looking it up. Fox News didn't start until 1996. Yeah, it's late in the game. And it, and when it when it started, it was ostensibly. I mean, now now it is clearly a right right leaning organization. Yes, it was ostensibly meant to be sort of a a bipartisan outlet. Uh, at least that was the uh, that's why the 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 phrase is um, fair and balanced. Fair and balanced was their originally like it was uh, Hannity and Combs, and the idea was that they were going to try and get both perspectives on all the time, and it's clearly gone to the right. And so they, when you worked there, this is something I don't. I, when did you start there? Uh, I started there like 2013. Okay. I think. 
And specifically yeah, on the Kennedy show, which was libertarian, not necessarily not Republican as mm, people yeah. think of Republicans. Did they give you I know we've talked about this, but I think it's super interesting. Did they give you um did the Fox News people come down? Like I think the, the view suits. the idea is they like they come in with like their big briefcases and they tell you yeah. you're gonna say this, you're gonna say this, you're gonna say this. Kinda like they do in China. Yeah. Uh, uh no, no, I, that was something that I was very pleased by. I was I was somewhat worried about um working at Fox initially because yeah. the last suit and tie job I'd had prior to Fox was working as a Democrat for Congress uh during the health care bill. So I spoke to every single angry American in the country. Um, circa 2009, 2010, yeah. uh, and Fox was was egging that on. So I, I was, you know, kind of suspicious about doing that. Uh, the Independence was, which was the first show we worked on. Um, we had such incredible editorial ability there that I, in retrospect, I think they might have thought we were an infomercial and forgot and just let us do whatever we wanted. The Fox people, yeah, yeah, because okay. because there was some with with Kennedy, the the guidance they there was there were guidelines that were put down. But it was generally um, about like general standard and practices of, of like what's what's appropriate to say on television as opposed to a political position to say. So if if we had something really funny that involved nudity, okay. um, they'd come in and make us not do that. That's you know. any show, right? right? Yeah, um, it was it, there. There wasn't a lot of hardline stuff that that came in. Um, I I think what what's more likely to happen, and, and I'm not speaking about Kennedy, I'm speaking about shows in general. Yeah. is um, the the effect you were talking about with with Russia and with Trump, where uh, or, sorry with Trump and with with ISIS, which is um, Trump is the news of the day. Yes. And that means that um, most most media is going to have to gravitate towards him anyway, and that doesn't really involve pushing them in any particular direction or having any political agenda. It just it will go that way. Well, okay. And I think what I've always thought, or at least since having my China experience, in China, um, American people are always interested in hearing about the news in China because they also think Yeah, because I, I assume that it's really censored. I don't know. It is. The government controls the news in China, right? Uh, meaning that I used to work at a newspaper, and they would go on retreats once a month. And the retreat, everyone was allowed to go except me because I was the only non-Chinese person. And uh, what was your job in the newspaper? Just did? I was covering like music. I was the like music like beat, local bands, like yeah. restaurants, you know, like lifestyle section. And actually, when the head of the newspaper found out I was working there, I got fired. He didn't know I was there for a year. And he had no idea. Wait, why'd you get fired? Because I was not Chinese. Did you write oh, okay. it in, they, yeah, in they English? Could see that? They would Just straight racism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he was never there. But anyway, so they would go on these retreats once a month, and at the retreat, they would be told, uh, okay, this month, we're covering this, we're covering this, we're covering this. And then you had to kind of push that agenda. Right. You know? But um, so the, the government owned all the papers. Right. So then the government was the boss. They decided what was going to get controlled. I've always thought, you could correct me if I'm wrong, that in America – were controlled the money controls right. mm -hmm. ratings ratings they don't care about ratings the government. well see that's I was Kaplan I think Before that's a good Trump point I, I think ratings is more of an issue than anything else totally um, yeah. I and like just in, in general when you watch television I, I think that they're much more apt to go to the flashy yeah. and and to the the things that are going to get ratings um, than than necessarily driving a particular agenda which actually is like insane to think that there's something more flashy than us defeating ISIS, right? And yeah. that's our president. But, but you, but you <laughs> just but, whatever but, he but does. Tr Trump's a great example but of this, they, though. If they if, created him, I mean, yes, exactly. Like if everybody had gone, if all the if all the stations had said, "We are we refusing to cover you in any capacity whatsoever unless you um, release your taxes." Yes, that would have, that would have stopped him. Right. He he would yeah. have been done. But because it was such a flashy, fun, awful thing yeah. happening on a regular basis, everybody covered him. And it, or if it, it gave just, him the same amount of coverage he gave Martin O'Malley, that then he would have, <laughs> I mean, who? Yeah, exactly. Link, Lincoln Chafee <laughs> had to have, have, to have equal yeah. equal amount of time. I remember yeah. my parents arguing about this like early on, like when Trump first announced he was running. You know, 
and my mom is super Democrat, and my dad's kind of like, I don't care, but fiscally conservative. And my mom was just freaking out watching the news every day, being like, can you believe Trump did this? And my dad's like, turn the TV off, and there will be no more Trump. Right. Everyone just turns it off. Yeah. And then yeah, he, he for Natalie Sparks. He absolutely feeds on that. That's that's how it works. <laughs> and so, did you? Um, we also talked about like the comedy because you're a stand-up comedian. Yeah, as well, I'm funny too. I'm you're not. Great. I'm not funny enough to do it full time. I'm like three quarters funny. You're fun. No, we've done shows together. You're that's great. true. I'm very funny. Yeah, you, you're going to love Shatner me. Told you, me you're funny. You opened William, for William Shatner, Shatner said I was funny. Yeah. I, I I played in Las Vegas this weekend. I opened for William Shatner, <laughs> and he said I'm very funny. <laughs> so you are. That's it. That's per- period. That's all you need. If anybody ever questions yeah. me, I just say how many how many starships have you commanded? Zero. Shut up. Yeah. And so was there any in the comedy world the the you can find that some comedians are super liberal but also actually I find a lot of them are like very similar to have our yeah. just like stay out of my way and let me do what right. I want. Right. Alt middle sensibility. Alt, the alt middle. The alt middle. The alt middle podcast as we are. And um did did com- comedians say anything to you when you took when you started working for Fox cuz there's a stigma about Fox. Yeah, yeah. No, that well that was another thing I was worried about uh, because there there is a stigma there absolutely You're is a stigma. You're a working comedian. Uh yeah, and I'm a comedian, I'm a creative person. I have been blown away at how cool comedians have been about that. Um, cuz like I take classes at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and I do improv and That's I do like sketch. That's the heart of liberal <laughs> yes, America. I like it, it, liberal <laughs> than it, it, space. I, I I have been to the Vatican of of <laughs> liberal political <laughs> correctness. The Amy Poehler Theater. Yeah, it uh it, it, like, it, like I, I've, I've been, um, I've been very impressed at how cool everybody's been about that. To where they generally, usually hate Fox, but they're, they're like, "Well, you seem like a good guy," and I'm like, "I do seem like a good guy." Well, I'm that's all why right. I wanted You're to have you on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Representative of, um, yeah, well, the, that's one. See, well, that, that's there. like the, the weird thing is, I'm, I'm finding now that because um, I'm, I'm libertarian. I'm a moderate and a libertarian, right? Sure. Uh, and, and because I'm not a lockstep progressive liberal, there are a lot of shows that have a political dimension where they want somebody that, that is not just agreeing constantly. Oh. And so I, I kind of get brought in as like the palatable You're not opposition. The... <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe maybe I don't, I don't I don't know how I fit into this particular particular group but but no but I find that happens in comedy as well and that that like weirdly kind of helps if it's political comedy. Uh, and then I have other friends like a friend of mine writes for John Oliver and uh, he's a great guy he's really really funny. I, I know him through DC um, stand up comedy. Uh, and like every three or four months, well maybe six months, he'll email me and be like we should get dinner. What do you guys think about X? Like just cuz like, he wants to have a conduit as to oh, like really? Really? Like uh, Iran. What do you think about Iran? And like, I can, you know. Do you go to dinner with him, and he just comes in with like a film crew? <laughs> and he starts asking you like John Oliver like type questions. Uh, I, I would, yeah, I would, I would definitely bolt if that were the case. Uh, but um, I, I've, I found the comedians are pretty good about that. I don't know what your experience has been like, Turner. I think, um, I think stand-up comedians, um, to a man or woman, will will line up to defend other stand-up comedians and political correctness. Totally. Um, I've like I in in terms of. Like if you're at say Evergreen College, they'll throw you under the bus and yeah, kill you. Our friends at absolutely murder you. But with stand-up comedians, like really, like there's like this deep intrinsic um, a value to having an opinion and and not getting slaughtered just for virtue signaling from a group of people that don't really give a shit anyway. Yeah, I I agree, and I don't care. I find that the height of comedy in the for stand-up comedians when they look at like the best comedy that's on TV. No, I don't think anyone's looking at like Colbert. Or uh, especially the Daily Show. I'm sure I'm ruining my career right now, but I think <laughs> it, like it's uh, South Park. Oh, South Park! South Park and is 100 percent the best thing every single week on yeah. TV for the last. It's, 20 it's, years. it's incredible political satire. It's also amazing how how it manages to do that because yeah. it like it if anybody yeah if, about it. I, oh it used to just be shock value yeah yeah the, the, uh, which was which was great when I was 12 and yeah. like and they're and they're. Free speech. I think I, comedians are a one-issue voter, and it's free speech. Yeah. 
And whatever side, it's funny, in the 90s, like, the left used to be all about free speech. Yeah. And now the right's about free speech. Well, I, th- I, think in like, the middle. I think we had, like, one week of actual free speech in America. Like, where... In, in, what in, week was that? In the, it was, like, 1962, February... Because, oh, yeah. like, in the 50s, the right. conservatives were the, the foes of free speech because they were li- literally trying to outlaw it. Where, you right. know, you, you, I think you, all the way up to almost to the 80s, the conservatives... Well, with, yeah, yeah, Elizabeth through, Dole. Yeah, well, well there, there was political yeah. stuff in the 50s, and then right. through the 80s, there was, like, censoring you for, right. for, um, for social things, right? Yeah. And whole, then at like, some point... there. there there's it flopped over to the left right. where where the left yeah. went we're going to we're going to no you can't say it on a college campus that's absolutely not you know sure. permissible well, there was a whole era where there was like Tipper Gore Tipper and, Gore like, I was yeah, thinking the, not yeah, Elizabeth yeah, Dole <laughs> where there was like yeah it was like FCC stuff Tipper Gore was like the moms all the moms she was trying to regulate video games wasn't she video games yeah and, uh, and the hero of that era was Al Bundy with No Ma'am. Al Bundy <laughs> with No Ma'am. Was, that's, he was alt-middle at the beginning. In the 90s. <laughs> in the 90s, He's, of he was an original alt-middle hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, Before no, that, Cartman in the <laughs> South. I, I, it's insidious, too, because I think at least during like the 50s and 60s, it was it was the government telling you you couldn't say something. And like, we don't care. We would, you know, like, well, I'll pay the $50 fine. Okay. I might even go to jail. But now it's like, if you say the wrong thing, we're going to make you get fired. And we're going to yeah. hound you until you hang yourself. Well, because the, that is our goal, really is to kill you. And, then eventually, and it's gotten worse since Trump, but it, yeah. it, on the other side, though, it's like you, they just like, sh- the, evergreen ter- the evergreen, ter- evergreen is the ultimate example, but yeah. like there's a lot of that now where they're well, just like then, shaming and shaming people yeah. like, you have to be fired or punished or... And then what we were saying recently, I think we said on the pod maybe, but that uh, Trump kind of stole our like, <laughs> yeah. he like culturally appropriated our like pro-free <laughs> speech. Yeah. Because he's right. like, yeah, I'm free speech too. And, but then get right. out of here, Mexicans. And we're like, no, that's not what we meant by free speech. Yeah. Which, which is the, I, I was talking to. Um, the, we want to make a joke. The, the, the editor yeah. of the, the magazine that I, that I work for, uh, <laughs> Catherine Manger Ward, was talking about how the, the if, if, if you think that someone has the legal right to be an asshole, yeah. you automatically become where the assholes go. And like, yeah. that's just kind of the downside is that if you're, if you're in favor of free speech, you're also going to be huddling with the assholes because they, they would rather hang out with you than go to jail. So when you were uh, back to Kennedy for a little bit, when you were there, I'm fascinated. What percentage? Because the 24-hour news, a big thing is that it's all like big opinions. Yeah. Big, like I was saying, not necessarily outraged, but just like flabbergasted by the events of the day. But every single day, um, and I know your show was not totally like that. Uh, what um, have your observations? Not saying any show in particular. What percentage of that opinion is real, uh. and what's like? trumped up no pun intended just because like you have to be big on tv that's that's a that's a really good question um i there's somebody that i spoke to who wasn't at fox they they were at another station or another channel and i can't remember um that guy's advice was uh outside of uh, outside of tv he might have he might believe something 30 percent but anything he said on television he believed 100 percent uh, and I, I think he that believed that's, it, or he like he told had himself to, he for believed entertainment. It. Yes. Yeah, right? for entertainment yeah, yeah, purposes. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't remember what what channel he was You're with. So but, sure yourself. But he, yeah, he was not like a. I'm in the middle. I think. Um, I think generally, it it, it doesn't lend itself to nuance um, television because you've got like a four to eight minute segment with w- one to five people. So it's like, uh, Kaplan, how, how would you solve the Middle East? You've got 45 seconds right. go. I'm like, well, it's very complicated. <laughs> yeah, you, you, it, you, you, you can't go well. It's <laughs> three th- so you, you do have people that, that do sound bites. Um, in terms of what they believe, I, I think one of the things that was interesting to watch was during the primaries, who was a vocal opponent of Trump and who got on board with Trump afterward. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, there were, there were a lot of people up uh, during the primaries that said that Trump is going to be the death of the, and I'm, I'm an independent, by the way, but they were saying Trump's going to be the death of the Republican Party. He's not a real conservative. He's not a real Republican. You know, everybody needs to get together and drive him out. Um, I can't think of anybody specifically, but there were people in the, the kind of commentary out that were doing that, that if they were with some, some right-leaning organization, 
kind of came around to Trump pretty quickly once the primaries oh, were done. they jumped on his side uh, once he was the nominee. Right. And, like, there are other people that didn't do that, like uh, like National Review, which is a, a conservative— Wait, Most of the people there have not—they're still bashing him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and he, like, they, they lost— uh, but but you know they they stuck with that. But there were other people, and I, I think there, I'm sure that there are some people that changed their mind. But but at the same time, I think there are also some people that went, oh, I'd rather be on TV than you know not. Um, so I, I think that does happen. It, yeah, that's what was um, when I did your show. The surprising thing is how quick it all moves. Yeah, it's really quick. It's real. I mean, like podcasts, you can just sit around yeah, we can, here we can all day. Do this for four hours. We well, do a one hour podcast, and people are like, "Why is it only one hour? Why don't you do two hours?" Uh, there, there's really? there's a guy at UCB that I think is really funny, Connor uh, Ratliff, who apparently does a twelve hour podcast where him and his friend just record whatever they're doing for twelve hours. Yeah, I don't know who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a joke you can listen to once, and then you're like, "Okay." I, that's I, I think in high school you have. I think that's like, I think, well. I think you just yeah, do like, it as background you music. Say is you know? funny. Let's yeah. just record our conversation. Yeah, well, it's it. Yeah, but I do think that like. What you're saying, it's like this election brought out, like crystallized what we already knew about the news cycle, this 24-hour news, where it's like you see these people who you used to be like, oh, that person seems smart, and now they used to say what you're just saying, like Trump's going to be the death of the party, he's not going to serve, and now you see them, and it's like they have to, they have, this is their character, they have to argue with the liberal, and you see them on Fox, or uh, CNN has, and have, it, have, you, have you heard of a thing called public choice theory? Can I? Oh, may, may I explain yeah. this to your audience? Please yeah. do. So, pu- public choice theory it's ca- came around <laughs> in the '80s. There, there's a, a Nobel economist that came up with it. But public public choice theory is the idea that uh, in politics, w- once you're sworn into office, you don't cease having human impulses. So you're, you you want to keep your job. You want people to like you. You 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 don't become a Vulcan, right? And and I, having worked in media, public choice theory applies as well to to people in media, which is to say that there they they are, there are multiple. Um, multiple drives going on simultaneously. There are people that 100% believe what they say on camera and they truly believe it. Um, they still want to be on TV. Uh, there, there, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going. And then I'll say too, like, like on, on, a, on a humanizing note, um, like occasionally someone might be friends with somebody um, who uh, whose dad is in the Senate. Like uh, uh, I, I, I like Megan McCain very much. She's a wonderful person. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably not that I have any big problems with her dad, but I'm probably not going to say them on air. Just because right. I don't want to, I don't want to be you nasty wanna, to her. You want to get her Christmas card? Yeah, exactly. I want to keep, <laughs> I want to keep getting invited to her cocktail party. I was gonna say maybe get a, yeah, a vacation house trip every once every couple of years. I, I, I wish, I wish that that were how my friendship with her worked. <laughs> a <laughs> that, skiing. That I just something. got to go to Aspen or something, but it's it's more like we're just friendly at a bar or something. Yeah, well, we'll get her on the pod and talk about it. Sure, I'm sure we episode. will. <laughs> um, and how long did you guys have when you worked there? You come in in the morning, yeah, and then. Do you pick the stories out, or do they throw them at you, and you come up with opinions, or does Kennedy come up with opinions? Uh, a combination of the above. So we, we generally have an idea of what's going to be the programming of that day, just because we, we kind of know based on Twitter and everything else. Uh, everybody on my team would come in at seated with ideas at 8 o'clock in the morning at a conference table. We'd all have a list of stories that we thought could be covered. Um, and, uh, and for us, it was a variety of things. There's um, six out of the seven segments were, were news uh, but one of them, or, or commentary, one of them's topical storm, which is like viral videos, which actually took longer than anything else percentage-wise. Uh, but we would do that. We'd sit down. We'd talk about it. We'd talk about, okay, if we did this, who could we bring on for it? So if we were if we were doing a story about, I don't know, civil asset forfeiture, that's like a wonky subject. Uh, and that would require getting somebody 
who um, could talk about it coherently, but also with a little bit of charisma. I don't even know what that That's is. That's a real libertarian. Like, <laughs> what is that? Like, right. I was about to blame cut. it on our audience and say, our audience is dumb. <laughs> Explain it for it's them. something that libertarians and liberals will agree on, but yeah. nobody knows what it is. So. Uh, b- basically. It's taking your stuff from you. Yeah. It's a, if, you're charged, if you're charged in a, if a cop thinks you did something uh, involving drugs, he can just take your stuff. Like take your car. Like there's, there's no due process. you paid for. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so like, 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 we, like warrants don't apply. Um, you, you don't have to be charged. You don't have to be convicted. We can just take your car. Do we have that now? Yeah, we we have it. And actually, Jeff Sessions, and Sessions just is bringing it, it back. Baby. Oh, come on! <laughs> and like, coming back. And that, that's a, that's a good example of something that's like a terrible practice, but sounds so boring uh, that we'd have to think about how are we going to package this? Could we get it done? Because occasionally there were topics uh, like I think maybe civil asset forfeiture was one on the independence where we really wanted to talk about it, but we thought, can we do? Can we do do justice to this topic in six minutes? I don't know. In six minutes, six minutes. Um, sorry. So a couple times we were, there was something we really wanted to do that we just couldn't get to. Who are people that you think that you think are the best at that at giving their real opinion in a succinct time frame, and it's like genuine and it's not just an act? Do you know what I mean? Sure. No, there, there are a lot of people like that. Yeah, I mean, like Kennedy, obviously. Um, I'll say Matt Welch, who I worked with on the Independence, is a very good example of that, of, of somebody who is extremely thoughtful and has encyclopedic knowledge, but has been doing it long enough that he can sit down and, and condense it into a 45-second soundbite yeah. and just kind of throw it at you. Um, I really, I, I've, I've had very, very little interaction with him. I really like a guy named uh, Jonah Goldberg. I think he's a really smart guy that's also good at being thoughtful and, and putting that out there. Uh, and then there's there's just a ton that we could we could throw out. Like we, a, a guy that jumps to my mind is a, a guy named Brian Brenberg, who's an economist at, at King's College. Um, who is very intelligent, but has now been doing it long enough that he can, you know, succinctly spit it out. Yeah. Um, so there are some good people there. I, I think a lot of the problem is just the medium itself uh, makes it difficult say, to be nuanced. I think that pod, uh, truthfully, podcasts <laughs> is a better way to do it. Yeah. Shout out to us. No, just, it's great. Yeah. Because you have more time, and there's no time constraints. Well, especially there's no if you have a twelve-hour podcast. Yeah. What? <laughs> if you have a twelve-hour podcast. <laughs> twelve-hour. Yeah. 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 You you could go all all across the board with that. Yeah. But do you think like and do people generally in the news business like? Because a lot of people get their news from um, speaking of lack of nuance from we mentioned Colbert or like yeah. Daily Show or yeah that's even or like uh, you know John Oliver which I, I love all these shows they're all funny but yeah. like people that's how they, that's all they know about any right. of these issues how, I, how do you uh, my, my you know one of my friends apologized to me recently because we were I think it was like civil asset forfeiture or something and and I and she 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 went you know I'm just I'm not really like I don't know politics very well I don't know news very well and I was like that's fine. We live in a republic. It's absolutely fine. The problem is if you're loud and obnoxious and you don't know anything. Right. If, if you if you were kind of recusing yourself, but that's like a lot of TV. Isn't it? It's it's a lot, and it's a lot of people that follow it. Like I, I think, um, I think that television is a, a good second step. Where, where if, if you've, you already know the basic facts right. and you already know some, some in-depth knowledge to it, that's when you go to TV and, and you start hearing opinions of that. Uh, that's where I think that's helpful. I see what you're saying. I found uh, that people, do research and then yeah. watch TV. I found that people who aren't, haven't done a lot of research love to like post the things like, John Oliver actually destroys blah 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 or, yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. I don't actually know anything about this issue, but I agree with him on everything, watch so I'm going to slam you. Take down of... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's all caps. He destroys. He destroys <laughs> so much. They're still, they're still there, though. They're still gossip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I really like John Oliver. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think he's a really, really talented it, political but, satirist. Uh, I do wish that, like, I found that, uh, that we, we did a video on net neutrality, and I'm on the other side of the spectrum uh, from right. John Oliver on net yes. neutrality. And I was amazed at, like, Everybody the seething hatred. That, I was like, really? This is the hill I die on? Net neutrality? <laughs> like, no this is such it. a boring, nerdy, wonky topic. But it was because, because he did an episode on it. Yep. Because he did an episode, and we, we pointed out, we're like, John, we said, John Oliver's wrong about this. And, like, the second we did that, like, yeah. everyone went, oh, you're terrible. We hate you. 
<laughs> but that's a good angle because you probably got a lot of views. Lot yeah, close. which which I'm having to learn, and it's tough for me because I don't I don't li- I'm not a combative person. I'm I'm a coward. Right. I I if would. If you're I, doing your job right, though, you're gonna get combat. Yeah. That's, well, I think I think problem. doing political satire at all, you're yeah. gonna have people hate you. I think I think if you if you're doing political satire and you want to have it be relevant, and you want to um, involve more people, you probably need to engage with other political satirists. So I should probably like bring up Samantha Bee and John Oliver and, and folks like that. That's yeah. how uh, what's well, her name Tommy Laren. No, she's on some the Blaze. Like yeah. what even is that? I don't yeah. even know. Is that how you pronounce her name? Is it Tommy? I think that's, I think. I think that's right. Okay. And then she just first of all she was like hot, and so yep. that helped. Yep. And then she's 22 and blonde. Mm-hmm. She's only 22. Yeah. And oh. then she started going she's way after more successful than I. just. Oliver or whoever, she started going after people above her. It's like right. being a boxer; you got to take, you got to challenge. Well, I, th- I think, I think punditry in general, in, in any medium, you can make a very good living at telling people what they already think and doing it slightly more articulately, and also going a step further than they would say. So, like, like a lot of people in Middle America, the, the, where I'm from, might might agree with a Republican position on something, but wouldn't go so far as to go, "And you Democrat bastards ruined." They wouldn't do that because yeah. it's impolite. So when somebody else does it, they go, "Oh wow, they, wow, they went a step went further than I did." I'm and watch guess that. what else, Betty? She's hot. Yeah, <laughs> and she's hot. <laughs> so they turn to reset a little bit. Do they in other like China? Not China, obviously we know this, but like in other countries, are you aware like they don't have this kind of. This isn't a thing. Like so a- they do. Uh, we'll go to China because they do. Um, they're starting to get that in China because they still, even though it's con- run by everything's run by the government, all the money fuels folds goes back. When, to the when you say that, is this like PBS as a giant channel? I like. I'm assuming <laughs> yeah, it's it a is. little bit more restricted. Big Brother's uh, got a way no, better budget. It's, it's basically like um, so. Television in China for the longest time was. At a what like a high school college production value level. This was all public access, like all local all access. Pub- the whole great. country was public access. I, I'm, I'm nostalgic for that time. That's I think a lot of cool stuff it. came out of that. Like a 1970s <laughs> desk set, you know, and like you could <laughs> see clock the, that's wrong on the right. wall. With like a mic in the background. You yeah. see the guy with the boom mic every yeah. once in yeah. a while. It was like dolomite, like the, the mics coming in and out, like. And so, um, because there was just no money put into it, because the government's like, well, we put a little into that. That's our propaganda thing, but then we uh-huh. put mo- some over there. So it was like a DMV like type of budget, you know? Oh, great. I can think of nothing better than the DMV running and a news program. So it was fantastic. And then really late in the game, meaning like 2012, they figured out that TV might be a good way <laughs> to influence how people think. And so now they have like CCTV, um, America, and then while well, they're going international, but also they they've upped the budget a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's still probably CNN in the '80s as opposed to the '50s or did, something. Did you, did you find that like I, I was only there for a month, and I was I was there um, through a study abroad program. So the people I were meeting were very much curated by by the government. Oh, okay. Uh, and they all spoke English too. So because my I, wife's I, curated by the government. Yeah. So 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 I I can't say that I had an accurate representation of China because I I came in as a foreigner with very little time. But but I, I found that one everybody loved Mao. There seemed to be an understanding that he was he had some flaws. You were definitely meeting people You're curated, curated by the government. <laughs> oh, really? Because yeah. well, at one point I, I talked to a young lady and I because everything we were at, I think we were at um, Peking University and and everything was named after Mao and I was like, sure. what do you think about Mao? And she went, great leader, great leader. <laughs> had some flaws and I was like, <laughs> by that do you mean a hundred million starvations? Is <laughs> you that mean what you're genocide? referring to? That's, and yes, flaw. we will have to cut that, this part out of the podcast <laughs> for China. Yeah, no, we, this will stay in the oh, American. Oh yeah, okay, pod. yeah, yeah. But um, okay, is that the Oh, I'll stop that if we're gonna. If we're gonna no, no, no. Uh, well, no, I like that, that, and then like I'm told that like Tiananmen Square is something that they don't like. That's never brought up. That that's like very well manicured. I don't know, True. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on the first on the Mao stuff, they it depend. Most people real like 
it depends on who you ask, right? So there are people who go, oh, he was a great leader. They look at him like, like a racist grandpa. Okay. Like, yeah, but he bought me a lot of gifts. Right. And he's, you know, he's my racist grandpa. Yeah. So whatever. Trump's, so Trump's he, role model here. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to become <laughs> our racist grandpa. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, it's, yeah, there was mass death and starvation and everything, you know? Right. So, but the um, people living, they well, see, and, died, and so. I think, I think like the weird, like, oh, can I get literary again? So, you know, 1984 is this like, we're going to make people think what we want because we're just going to drive a boot into their neck. Yes. Whereas, and like, that's, Kind of the like a, a softer version of the now Chinese model of like a totalitarian top down do as we say type thing. America is much more of the um, Aldous Huxley uh, uh, Brave New World model of we're we're just going to overload you with pleasure and distractions yeah. to make you do what we want so you don't even think about it. Yes. Which is much more of our media. Because, again, our media is driven by ratings, and it's driven by eyeballs, more than it's driven by any type of political agenda. Yeah, and I don't know which one's more dangerous. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> on the China side, Chinese people know... They know it's bullshit? They don't know it's... They know that the government is in charge of the media. They know that. That's right. not a secret. The government's yeah. not hiding that. But just like we know that... The Fox News is the right and CNN is the left or whatever, yeah. MSNBC is it's the left. It's on a, whatever, it's, yeah. Even though we know that, there's people like us who can see through it all, but most people can't. Most people, even if they know, they still like what they're getting. Right. And they're, well, they're and on, on confirmation their, bias of what they already They're on confirmation they bias. Fired up same, and, and I think the Chinese government looks at it the same way. They go, we're not going to get 100% of these people. There's going to be people who go, you know what, this is all bullshit. But there's gonna, most people are going to be like, you know what, it is. Like, that country is bad because I see it on the news every day that Japan's doing this. And if the, if you're getting force-fed stuff yeah. all day, every day in the news, Japan's you're gonna... like the Hillary Clinton on Fox News. <laughs> <or> the, <laughs> yeah. the She's their Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of what works. Back to the the Mao thing. Um, there are if if he did kill like all these people around the country and enslave everyone, then there's going to be relatives and descendants of those people who don't like him very much yeah. because their grandpa was you know very selfish of them. Oh, you know what's really like in our country again? Like we don't have this top down thing. They did a poll last year of just who killed more people. Stalin or George W. Bush, and most millennials went well. Clearly, George W. Bush. Like Stalin, I think killed more people than anyone in history. Like you, you could say Hitler did. Like if you include all the casualties of war. Wait, but if just, the result of having that war. But yes, yeah, yeah, Stalin. Killed but if more it's just people. killing your own people, yeah. Stalin like takes the gold medal by right. miles and sure. miles I mean, and in miles. The, just a word of Jews. Yeah. Hitler's you can't top him. Right, but in know, terms of race, racist in genocide, racist, Hitler racist wins. Genos yeah. Plus, like uh, Bush just went on Jimmy Kimmel and did well, so I'm sure they've forgiven him yeah. by now. Right? <laughs> I think, well, yeah, he, I mean, like to his credit, they he's, all like him. He's now. basically he's decided to, to paint and think about what he did. Like he's <laughs> kind of like a self-imposed yeah. timeout, yeah. and I think he might like actually recuperate a little. He's bit He's the only that. one who's really winning from this whole Trump thing. <laughs> he's a huge winner, making him look like way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like like Romney. Like remember when Romney was like, oh, he said binder full of women. That means he's a misogynist. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Was getting, yeah. It was like, oh god, that guy yeah. would have been great. Compared to this guy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so closing it out, uh, your what? So your your show now? Uh, I do a web series called Mostly Weekly, which is on Reason, which is political satire. Mostly weekly. Mostly weekly, which is as you probably inferred every other week or so. <laughs> nice. uh, and we're we're doing like a Craigslist version of John Oliver. Um, so we're tackling issues, but we're doing it from a limited Craigslist. government perspective, which we're. What does a Craigslist then. version of John Oliver mean for well, non-Americans? No budget. We have we we I should say we have very little budget. Like like John Oliver has a, a talented writing staff of like eight people plus researchers. We've we've got. Uh, me, a full-time writer, and then a couple of associate writers, and then we've got editors as well. So we do have a, we do have production, but it's 
much, much, much lower. I, I can't get a salmon cannon right. uh, like sure. he had. I'm not going to be able to do and, that kind of stuff. And if it's the Craigslist version, then like you hire a girl and she actually has a dick or something. Right? <laughs> you, know? exactly. you, know? exactly. you don't know what I'm doing under yeah. the desk. You might hire a stalker, <laughs> yeah. a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Uh, but, definitely but, bed bugs in any piece of furniture here. Uh, but we do that. We tackle issues. I think like f- particularly if, you're, if your listeners want to see things from a different perspective, it's good. A lot of the time I agree with John Oliver. A lot of the time I disagree with him. Right. Uh, and I, I think like I think it's really healthy to have multiple yeah, I, yeah. political uh, I find political it satire things going on. People who can go issue by issue and make decisions, as opposed to right. just blanket. What, what, what is the thing my yeah. tribe is yelling this week? I will do that unquestionably. That's what I like just about you. Thank you. Your I, stuff. So, where do you see? Because you've worked, you worked for some blue dog Democrats. Yeah. Democrats, and you are now libertarian. Yep. Where do you see this country going? As far as like, where are we? Set? Okay. So he, here's what I'm. I'm both optimistic and pessimistic at the same time. So I, I consider myself a moderate libertarian. I'm right. an independent, right? Which is to say. I, I don't like... I, You're alt-middle. Nice, I'm alt-middle. <laughs> I, uh, Welcome I, to the I, tribe. I, like, I think the government should exist, but it should be tiny. I only want it to do what it needs to do, right? And then you can you can talk to me about stuff. So right. if you're like, well, actually, we really do need this one thing. Like, we'll have that discussion. I'm not going to throw a brick at you. That's, that's where I am. Um, I think the no libertarians bricks. are probably going to have small, moderate growth, but I think you're going to see, at the same time, all of those issues permeating the culture. So, for example, libertarians have been in favor of gay marriage for 30 years. 20 years ago, the argument was like, well, homosexuality is not a sin, it's a medical problem. And that was where the Democrats were, was like, well, this is a medical problem as opposed to a moral problem. And you had the libertarians going, no, it's fine. Right. Like, let, them go, let Bob and Juan get married. Um, and, Bob and, and Juan. Uh, and, and Interracial, that, too. Rather than people going, oh, I guess I'm libertarian, that, that issue just kind of permeated into the Democratic Party, which is great. Like, I hope that happens more, and I think that will happen more. I think you're going to see things like civil asset forfeiture that um, that libertarians have been yelling about. You're going to see a lot of things that, that are, are important to us that are going to diffuse into the culture. We're going to get zero credit for it. It's mm. like, um, like have you heard of cryptozoology, like Bigfoot? <laughs> so cryptozoology is a field. Everybody's like, that's bullshit. Whenever they find something, like the second they find something and no one thought existed, like that, uh, like, like that fish that was extinct for 20 million years and uh-huh. they found it, right? The second it, they find it, it's no longer cryptozoology. So cryptozoology is always bullshit because the second it quits being cryptozoology, it's biology. So, so. we're pro-crypto... Zoology. And Bigfoot. And yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's about what's going to happen. I think we're going to have slow you growth. Can help us come up with a platform. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how do they, so how do they find you on, because you're online, right? Yeah, I'm People online. around the world. Come uh, on. If you, if you want to um, f- uh, go to my website, mightyheaton.com, uh, mighty, H-E-A-T-O-N.com, you can see a, a cross-platform of kind of all the videos I've been doing the last several years, mostly weekly, that's a political satire, sketches I've done for reasons, sketches I've done that aren't even political. Um, so you can see a bunch of stuff there. There's myriad ways to stalk me through that portal. All right. All right and uh, can you stick around for a minute for the news? Yeah. Let's get to the news. Bring it on. Play the music. To the show, first story. This comes to us from our friends at NPR. Yeah. Shout out. A recent study from Lund University in Sweden shows that the biggest way to reduce climate change is to have fewer children. Mm. (laughs) Co-author Kimberly Kimberly Nichols, co-author of the study, told NPR's Morning Edition, certainly it's not my place as a scientist to dictate choices for other people, but I do think it's my place to do the analysis and report it fairly. 
So, I mean, yeah, what do you guys think? It says the top four ways that to reduce uh, climate or to help climate change. Fewer children, living without a car, avoiding airplane travel, and eating a vegetarian diet. Man, I'm just 0 for 4 like a... <laughs> you don't do any of that? I, you, I am, you keep cranking out children I mean, on a plane while you're eating meat. The way I'm, yeah, I, yeah, you got two kids. You're flying everywhere. I got cars. I, I got a car. I got kids. I... Like I travel by plane, like most people, I think. Big and, meat uh, diet. I love meat. I had a good steak for lunch today. Uh, I'm I'm really pleased that they're just ranking this because I think there's a lot of. Um, Haven't uh, we known that for years? Yeah, if you actually look at like like because cows are always a big one. Like if yeah. like if we all became vegetarian, that'd be a big deal. But the thing um, is, but like yeah. humans are obviously the number one polluters. Yeah, that's we true. have less humans. Ch- chimps right, don't have a lot of coal if factories. If we had no kids, there'd be then it'd just be over. So. No, look at China. One child policy, they're doing fine. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not doing fine. They're, they're, yeah, <laughs> they're no the problem. They're the biggest polluters. Yeah. But yeah, and a bunch of only well, see, children. Well, see, that's the, that's the thing, too, is that like, you, don't, like, you don't fix the environment by tightening the belt. You fix the environment by getting richer. And that sounds counterproductive, but like, like countries don't give a shit about cleaning rivers up until their kids are okay. Like People always care about their family and their kids and their jobs first. That's why like Portland, Oregon has really clean streets, because it's doing really well. Right. Uh, that's why Scandinavia is doing it. I like that they're ranking it, because I think that there's this insane amount of sanctimonious bullshit environmentalists in our country. What I mean by that is this. Uh, when I worked for Congress, I talked to a billionaire named uh, T-, T. Boone Pickens. Shout out. T. Boone. T. Boone. If you're listed T. Boone. <laughs> T. Boone. Uh, oh, he's T- a big T- listener. T-, 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 <laughs> T. Boone was like pushing some, he was pushing like a natural gas plan. Or I don't even remember yeah, the details. I've but, seen him on, uh, but, oh, have you? on your rival networks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but I, but I, I, I said something to the effect of, um, you know, like I like your ideas, but but I'm kind of wary as an environmentalist. And he went, yeah, everybody's an environmentalist until you ask him to pay $100. And I think he's dead on about that. I think everybody's a, an environmentalist when it involves liking Jill Stein on Facebook sure. uh, when it, when it's at, or, or sorting your garbage, which, by the way, is the biggest waste of time. Recycling does nothing. <laughs> it's, I'm it's, on your side. It's feel good. If it makes you feel good, do it. it You're cleaning you your garbage. But it doesn't do it. Like, to, 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 to negate a trip to Italy, you need to recycle 7,000 bottles. So unless you're doing that every you drink year, a lot. yeah. <laughs> well, no. My point is, if you really want to help the environment, either either donate money to like like I give ten dollars a month to, to the Jane Goodall Foundation because I like right. chimps, or, or or actually don't go to Europe. Donate actually, to the- cut back your trip because then I'll respect you. But if, if you're just gonna have bumper stickers, shut up. Or don't have thirty kids. Like <laughs> I okay, whatever. I am all for whatever religion you want to believe. But I grew up with a bunch of Mormons. Yeah, there, there's a lot of kids. They have they have now and a lot of cows. Their, they're on their eaters. Facebook pages, they're taking these pictures with like the two grandparents parents who are like in their 60s like my friend's parents who I grew up with and then they have seven kids and then each one of those seven kids has seven kids and it's like one yeah. giant picture of like a hundred people right it's, it's like, like look t- what the two, two of us two families. created yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, like they're like celebrating yeah and I'm like this is horrible yeah, but here's the thing if you <laughs> if you have no kids you're then you're you, people the reason why you, people care about the world is because they care about future generations so hey you gotta have kids to, to oh and I'll, I'll add to that I think you're right about that I'll add to that you're the the solutions to to tomorrow aren't coming from tightening the belt they're coming from weird stuff we haven't thought of yet so like I've got a USB card a USB no one no one designed a USB card to save trees it was designed by like a, a, an Israeli military firm for whatever that saved Kill more Arabs. trees than Arbor Day right so so technology that comes out of innovation and yep. comes out of prosperity that's what saves us I so agree. I hope those Mormons are having seven kids and I hope one of them goes to MIT yeah, and comes up with a snail that people to come. poops petroleum or something can I tell you one other thing can I tell you one other thing if you have only one child only children are oftentimes very they're they're very self interested. Oh, they're yeah. pretty annoying. Yeah, well, they're <laughs> self, except for my wife. Except for my wife, they're very self interested. <laughs> and my mom. They're not. They're less likely to shout care, out and shout. They're out. less likely to care about the world. Siblings, 
you're you're left self-centered. You're gonna care, gonna do good things. You might save the environment with a USB card or something. Yeah. All right. That's N- my take. Next story, <laughs> Mr. Softy News. My yeah. old uh, business. Yeah, this my old feels employer. like your real house. Yeah. Yeah, the Gothamist uh, website, I guess, found a real-life white woman named Mackenzie. Uh, that's already annoying how they've started this, but anyway. Yeah, I know a white woman named Mackenzie already, so yeah, that's... She recently moved to Harlem to, like, a new neighborhood, you know, whatever, gentrify her neighborhood, and then um, a Mr. Softy truck, uh, ice cream truck, parks next to her, plays music all the time, and she's complaining to the Gothamist and everyone and the police and everyone who will listen that the Mr. Softy man needs to shut up and stop playing. So she says... I went up to the man and I said, it's illegal for you to have your music on in any way, so could you please turn it off? And his, respa- his response was, fuck off. A very New York moment right there. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm on Team McKenzie. Not, not anything to do with the race stuff. I think the city is so friggin' loud. Everywhere you go, it's like an ambulance convention. They're screaming. <laughs> there's, there's, there's people shouting at each other. There's, there's like, a, like a pterodactyl swooping out of the sky, screeching. It's everywhere. It's, it's insufferable. Uh, I'm, I like if it were up to me as the libertarian, as the guy that doesn't like uh, uh, government. It's very unlibertarian. Fi- five dollar, five dollars to honk your horn in New York. That's when I become king of New York. Everyone has to pay five dollars per honk. Take that, taxi drivers. I'm fine with that. Uh, to me, this is like... How are you going to oogle women? Tell a girl you like her. Yeah, how are you supposed to catcall? <laughs> You're not allowed to do that, remember? That's, uh, that's been a, oh, can, really? can, I, can I tell you, I, I, uh, I lived in L.A. for a little bit, and I went to a, a deaf festival um, out near Sepulveda Dam. I'm in. And there was a, a ice cream truck driving around it playing music, and it was the most dejected human <laughs> being. <at> every, <laughs> you just see his expression like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I've been playing this for an hour. No one can, can hear. Can I tell the... the, the Long Island City is like, especially in the summertime, there's people come, I have beautiful views of the Manhattan, just tons of trucks. The ice cream trucks don't play music. See? Uh, I, I don't know if that's like a... solution. A, because yeah. I, you know what an ice cream truck or, looks like? like? Is that like? No, it's technically, it says in the story, technically they're not allowed to. Yeah, because like our kids, they don't have the music, so they don't know. They just see an ice cream. It's very visual. Like, there's a truck, I want ice cream, and it annoys me. Like, they didn't get the song. Being, they didn't run it. In the suburbs, you run it down, you hear the song. Listen, coming I'm way. a softy man myself, much like you with Fox. I'm not going to say anything bad about softy. <laughs> I have nothing bad. <laughs> they're fantastic. I don't, no one's questioning the ice cream. I just, I I just want a wall of silence is all I want. Softy stance would be if I got enough neighbors together to offer a certain like a flat buyout fee so they wouldn't show up my neighborhood <laughs> just because it's costing it me be, it's costing they... me so much money every single time the kids <laughs> go buy an ice cream truck I gotta buy them vanilla with sprinkles Ruby takes three bites and she's done and well, she has to have her own they can't share I can tell you that nuts. certain members of the softy family empire are big listeners to the pod okay so I'm gonna I'll, get a, so I'll see if I can arrange some your money. words to their ears <laughs> I mean I love Mr. Softy don't get me wrong I'm defending them <laughs> hey T-Boone yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright that's it uh, Andrew thanks for being on the podcast my pleasure Kaplan what should we do get lost get lost
Flashing lights are blinding all my sights. Don't know if I'll make it through the night. When you see me on your screen, then you'll know just what I mean when I'm saying. 